When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you hear what he said? What? No. If there is a source, that source is unemployed. This is the Rich Eisen Show. I'm telling you, football people, shit, chat, 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 chat. Chatty Cathy's. And this is why I don't understand Urban Myers. Like, I'm not used to this. Real talk. This is the way it works in the NFL. The Rich Eisen Show. Real talk. Today's guests. NFL Network reporter Tom Pelissaro. Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams. Rams tackle Andrew Whitworth. Plus actor Terry Crews. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Yeah, yeah, what a show we've got in store for you here today. A soggy hello here from Los Angeles, California. My name is Rich Eisen. I'm a humble host. And um, I'm here uh, after a uh, white-knuckle ride down the 405. I I relived my kindergarten days today because I just, like, saw my entire uh, everything flash before my windshield. Uh, Glad to be here, nice and safe and sound for all you folks out here in Los Angeles, California. Good to see you over there, Christopher. How are you? Yo, Rich, the hydroplaning I was not expecting or anticipating. (laughs) Good to see you over there, Mike Del Tufo. TJ Jefferson in his chair. How are you, sir? Good to see you. I spent 30 bucks on an umbrella five years ago, Rich. I've used it four times. Okay, so I definitely broke it out this morning. There we go, everybody. Good to see everyone today here on the Rich Eisen Show. from a hotel in Dallas? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, everybody. Uh, uh, maybe an inclement day in Los Angeles, California, um, weather-wise. Uh, but uh, in terms of football, today it is bright, sunshiny skies. 80 degrees, perfect day. And uh, nothing going on here other than the Los Angeles Rams coming up with one of the biggest wins of the entire NFL season. That's a fact. That's a fact where you've got a team that has lost three of four where they lost three in a row and then ended that losing streak against the Jacksonville Jaguars team that spent the immediate moments afterwards unburdening themselves apparently about how (laughs) awful everything is on their sideline, telling the Rams a whole bunch of things that my colleague from the NFL media group, Tom Pelissero, put in a piece on Saturday that – is still resonating today in Jacksonville, Florida, and Tom will join us in a matter of moments on that. But sure, you know the way things work in the NFL. It's just like a yeah, great win over Jacksonville. They're uh, they're absolutely in dire straits. What does that mean? And now you've got to take on an Arizona Cardinals team that is ten and two atop the NFC and handed you a loss back in week number four. Don't forget the Rams were riding high after beating Tom Brady and the Bucks in SoFi Stadium just up the road from here, starting the season 3-0. and And then the Cardinals show up and they're like, yeah, uh, our first three games, we just beat the Jacksonville Jaguars after barely beating the Minnesota Vikings and thumping the Tennessee Titans to start, to start the season. They put out a calling card for everyone to see that they're for real and then followed it up with their only loss being at home against Green Bay. And they come in uh, to last night's Monday Night Football game at 10-2 and with an opportunity to sweep the Rams. 
and leave them down three games, three-plus games, because they'd have that tiebreaker against them, having swept them, with four games to go. And it did not look good in the first quarter last night for the Los Angeles Rams, who give up three points to start, then go three and out, and then watch the Arizona Cardinals just march down the field, set up shop in the red zone, where you have no earthly idea if Kyler's going to throw it or run it. DeAndre Hopkins had already caught a few balls on that drive, so you could see he's in rhythm with his quarterback. A.J. Green as well. The Rams without Jalen Ramsey. And their tight end, Tyler Higbee. Both testing positive for COVID that day. That day. And here the Rams are in danger of falling two scores behind in the first quarter. And who shows up with a spin move? Who shows up with a spin move and goes right towards Kyler Murray with arms raised, tips a ball for an interception? Number 99, number 99 in your program. Number one in the hearts of many Los Angeles Rams fans. You're defending defensive player of the year, three-time defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald. What a huge play. What a huge play because the resulting interception not only kept it a 3 nothing game, not only stopped Arizona's momentum, but the Rams marched down the field and scored a touchdown with it. As Stafford and Cooper Cup started showing up like it was the first month of the season, like it was in the good times of the first half of the season when Cup was the offensive player of the month in the NFC for September and October, in which the Rams emerged with a 7-1 and record before that three-game losing streak. Caused us all to wonder what's going on, and Robert Woods blowing out his knee the day Odell Beckham showed up. Odell had his best game as a Ram last night. Stafford showing off his arm with Van Jefferson last night. Essentially telling everyone in Los Angeles, Justin Herbert's not the only guy that can heave at half the field on a dime to an open receiver for a touchdown. Defense balling out, Leonard Floyd with a tip and then an interception of his own. Von Miller putting some pressure on. No Jalen Ramsey. The defense did that bang thing to Arizona to take a two-score lead. Once again, though, I told you folks, it is my prerogative hosting a show like this one on radio and, and television. And you can do what you want to do. Pool. It's my prerogative to, to use the words I... I told you yesterday, and I, I, I'm proven right. Sony Michelle's the uh, special sauce here, folks. Okay. When Sean McVay showed up and they were putting up points, and you remember that Monday night game against the Chiefs in which the Rams and Chiefs had reportedly, allegedly broken defense in the NFL. They broke, de- they, they broke all defenses in that game. Turned the NFL into a, a Madden video contest between two eight-year-olds hopped up on a bag of Skittles. The offense was being run by Jared Goff, who I proffer to say doesn't have that throw in him like Stafford did to Van Jefferson. With all due respect, I should have fronted that before disrespecting Goff. But the key to all that was Gurley. And then Gurley got hurt, and the key to all that was C.J. Anderson. The Rams like to hit you in the mouth, folks. We all talk about the McVay offense and the passing game and all that. 
McVay and the Rams want to hit you in the mouth repeatedly. And then from the same set, from the same look, throw it on you. Or from the same look after throwing it on you, then running it on you. That's what they like to do. Sony Michelle allows them to do that. Turns first down runs into second and five, second and sixes instead of second and one, uh, 10 and 11. Turns those plays into third and twos or even a first down and third and twos into first downs. That's what number 25 does and is has been doing, and he has been doing it now for two straight weeks. I proffer to say that he's your starting running back moving forward for the Rams. And that kid, that Georgia Bulldog, handing, getting it handed off from a Georgia Bulldog, they're going to be tough to beat down the stretch if they start playing like this and then defensively show up. I know that three-game stretch caused everyone to back off of the Rams, but look at the standings right now. The Arizona Cardinals fall from first to third. Green Bay says, thank you very much. We beat you back in... uh, in October, the end of October, we'll take that tie break and put it on the table here after 14 weeks. And there, you're one seed. The NFC playoffs with a month to go goes through Lambeau Field. And there's the Bucks right behind them and the Cardinals right behind them, all at 10 and 3. And guess who's 9 and 4? Just a game behind all of them. Dallas Cowboys, yes. And the Los Angeles Rams still in the mix, not only for the division, but for the conference. That's how big a win it was. And it keeps them two games in front of a Niners team that just beat them in Week 10. They face each other in Week 18. That's the finale. Oh, baby. You guys, I know you gents across the way, you season ticket holders, were looking at your home playoff tickets over that three-game losing streak, and it was kind of like that Marty McFly family photograph in in Back to the Future that was beginning to get blurry and disappearing. Uh. And then all of a sudden, we're back. That, your arms come back and you're starting, starting to play that rock and roll music. There you go. Now suddenly home playoff tickets are not out of the home realm here in Los tickets. Angeles. That's how big a win it was last night. Andrew Whitworth, the 40-year-old, first ever 40-year-old to play left tackle in a National Football League game. He will be joining us at the top of our number three to talk about all that. Now, the Arizona Cardinals, what to make of that? You know, it's a knee-jerk re- league, week-to-week, overreaction, all that sort of stuff. Um, and They're done. They're done. Nah, not They're so done. much. Not so much. Uh, I, what I would like to do is, I, I don't know, I did not see any post-game conversation about DeAndre Hopkins. Remember that, that uh, third down attempt in their second-to-last yeah. try at uh, uh, scoring a touchdown last night? Um he hit his head on turf and yeah. came out of the game. That reminded me of what happened to C.D. Lamb in Kansas City. Yep. And as you know, C.D. Lamb could not answer the bell. It was a short week the next week. Arizona's at Detroit next week, so they have a full six days, not a, a three-day quick turnaround. Keep an eye on all that. And the issues with the Arizona Cardinals last year in the last several weeks of the season – Those issues were, in my estimation, just poor execution in the fourth quarter. And then some quizzical play calls from Cliff Kingsbury and then some poor execution on top of all that. And I saw that last night. I saw it last night from 
going forward on fourth down with James Conner, who's had a remarkable season. Best bargain in the NFL. Steve Kime, that might be the best move he's made, period, is to go get him for less than $2 bucks one-year deal after yeah. he's sitting around for free agency for a month, and they pluck him, and man, has he been incredible. Jonathan Taylor is the only uh, person with more touchdowns this year than him. He's got 15. He's unbelievable. You went for it, though, on... on fact that you go for it and Prater's kicking 50-yard field goals like it's, uh, you know, quarterback sneaks, you know. Yeah. And you need a field goal. You need two scores. And you try for a fourth down run with James Conner instead of leaving the ball in the hands of your dynamite two-way quarterback. I mean, why not put the pressure on? I mean, it's an easy second guess. The fact that you go for it and then the play call to just go right into the teeth of Aaron Donald with James Conner. It's like, what are you doing? It's a fair question. And then, of course, the Rams wind up giving the ball back to Arizona, which does put points on a board. And then an onside kick works. How about that? I know big bag of leaves. Steve Levy said coming into week 14, there were just four successful onside kicks this year. There were four in week 14 alone. Go figure. And the fourth and final successful onside kick of week 14 was Arizona pulling it off. I mean, threading a needle between two Rams who had an opportunity and touched it, and Arizona gets it. Then there's a holding penalty because Aaron Donald uh, – is held as Kyler Murray tries to go out the gate with no timeouts left. And then there's a false start. And then uh, Kyler Murray, when it all comes down to it, with the clock ticking down, needing one last Hail Mary, how do they not spike it there? You have a down to play with. Spike it, stop it, figure it out, you know, They had to fire drill it for their field goal, too, by the way. And they fire drilled it. And Aaron Donald with his third and final sack of the night. I mean, that was a – that's a a walk-off sack right there. And ESPN's cameras found him. That was an incredible shot where he just raised his arms like with the are you not entertained, arms outstretched, wraps it up. As Murray slid down, because I don't blame him. If the play's over, you're not going to take a full hit from 99. That was a far of straight hand sack. I mean, well, I mean, Murray is, he's got more games to go. And that's the point for the Arizona Cardinals. They've got a game at Detroit. That should be a dub. You take a look at their schedule the rest of the way. Boy, how big is that Dallas game since they're both now three and four, right? How big is that Dallas game week 17? Indianapolis is coming to town on Christmas Day. How about that? And uh, then there's the finale at home against Seattle. Winnable games right there. Winnable games right there. Week 17 could be the difference between Arizona getting back in the mix for the one seed because Green Bay's got uh, two AFC North teams coming up. Laugh all you want about Cleveland coming to Lambeau Field. That's, That's no gimme. I mean, Green Bay sitting right there. They've got to be just fired up. They're the one seed. Devontae Adams will ask him about that when he joins us in hour number two. 
But I saw Arizona last night just have that fog, that brain fog that we saw all too often in December of last year. And kudos to the Rams for putting them in the brain fog, man. They showed up minus Jalen Ramsey, minus Tyler Higby, and they needed it. They got it. And Arizona's now in a mosh pit. They're in a mosh pit, 10-3. and three. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. We've got a great poll question that we'll hit later on. Um, then also, uh, we turn our attention to the story in Jacksonville, Florida. Again, uh, there is so much going on with Urban Meyer and that team. And the, there's nothing to see here from Urban Meyer is, once again, front and center. We'll see. Shad Khan has chimed in on it, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the man who wrote the article that had started it all. Tom Pelissero is going to join us next about Urban Meyer saying that what he has written is not true. Terry Crews, another one of my favorite people in hour number three. He's on this program. What a great fun Tuesday we've got here. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. We're back with Tom Pelissero in a moment here on The Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least... The partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Which team do you trust more, the Bills, the Chargers, the Cowboys, or the Rams? That's now sitting on our uh, Twitter feed at Rich Eisen Show for you to vote on. So uh, the story of the weekend that's still resonating now in Jacksonville, Florida, is my colleague Tom Pelissero wrote this piece. We talked about it yesterday, and our Urban Meyer said if anybody's leaking, they're going to get fired, and 
So uh, part of the conversation uh, from that piece is the the fact that Tom Pelissauer says that Marvin Jones left the facility at one point needed to be coaxed back in because he was sick and tired of the uh, the criticism that Urban Meyer was giving to the receiving core. And the piece said at one point they had uh, an, a heated argument on the field. That was brought up to Urban Meyer in his press availability on Monday. Have you addressed, I guess, the reports that surfaced over the weekend with the team today or yesterday or Saturday at all? Do you talk what about that? What report now? Huh? What report now? So when we asked you about the other night. Do you have... About me, an argument with yeah, uh, Marvin, and uh, which is incorrect. Right. Um, like, you know, I keep asking Amy, when can Marvin play? <laughs> but uh, did you have to talk to the team, or did you feel like you? I did. I did mention to it. Too. I did mention it because it became, uh, you know, well, Amy, my dear Amy here, helps me out. So this is some story about you had a heated argument with uh, uh, Marvin. Marvin Jones, and I was like, what are you talking about? And if it becomes like, you know, I see people stare at their phones and I, I mean, quickly and the players knew it. Do you, do you feel like you that this conversation with the players is necessary? Because today Tom Palacero publicly doubled down on what he said that he insisted that all the things that he wrote in his mind, according to his sources, absolutely happened. So, so you have, you have these two diametrically opposed. I'm sorry. So he doubled down on that. I had a heated argument with. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It didn't happen. Yeah. So Amy uh, is referring to one of the best in any business, the VP of football communications of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Amy Palchich, who was uh, with the uh, Texans beforehand. And uh, Tom Pelissero, who's my colleague from uh, the NFL Media Group, who joins us now from the owners meetings in the Metroplex in the state of Texas. How are you, Tom? I'm fantastic, Rich. How are you? I'm doing well. All right. I'll give you the floor. Your uh, your response to all that is what? Well, uh, first of all, I would say I'm not uh, you know doubling down on anything. I would just simply say that right now we are picking at semantics regarding certain things that I reported in a story that was not a story about an, uh, an argument with Marvin Jones. That was one sentence in a much broader story about the environment uh, in Jacksonville. If you go back and you listen to Urban Meyer's uh, press conference on Sunday after the game, he actually confirms a great deal of what I had reported. Uh, he acknowledged that Marvin Jones was upset about uh, repeated criticism of the wide receiver group. He said that they had a conversation. I refer to it as an argument, which is how it was described to me. Uh, again, that's a, a semantic difference. You can ask my wife about that. <laughs> We've uh, uh, disagreed on that before. Um, you know, the other detail that I had not seen Urban asked about was Marvin Jones not being in the facility at one point because he was so upset. Uh, that is absolutely accurate. Uh, you know, there's, of course, the benching of James Robinson and the details there where Urban has, um, you know, said it was injury-related, then said it was He's not involved, and it's the assistant coaches when, in fact, he was the one who ordered the benching and kept uh, James Robinson out of the game. It was only when Trevor Lawrence intervened that Robinson went back in. And then there's the uh, staff meeting, which Urban denies uh, calling his assistant coaches losers. Uh, Again, we're into a semantic territory here because he also, again, noted immediately after that that he, yes, is very hard on coaches and very demanding. The message, 
in the meeting, regardless of what he called and how he used certain words, the message of the meeting was he's a winner and the assistant coaches are losers. And he emphasized this in the meeting by going around the room, pointing at each coach and saying, have you won? And he did not mean that rhetorically. He wanted an answer and guys had to uncomfortably defend themselves and their resumes. And Rich, I can't tell you how many people within the league from every, you know, every different position from head coaches to assistant coaches, front office people, other media members have called me since then. And, and I ask all the, you know, the coaches in particular, is this normal? And everyone says, no, they've never heard of anything like that. But it's not about one argument or conversation. It's not about one staff meeting. It is about the way that that fits into the pattern in a pervasively negative environment that, quite frankly, is unlike anything that I've heard in my close to 20 years covering the NFL. Well, and that's something I mentioned on this show yesterday is how everybody talks. I've never been around uh, a, a group of people quite like football people who talk. Everybody talks. Everybody cheddar chatters and jibber jabbers or or jive turkeys or what have you to use the Harbaugh phrase, right, or gobble gobbles, quite like NFL people. And the thing that jumped out at me as well uh, uh, off your off of your piece from over the weekend that was just remarkable, I had to read it twice, to be honest with you, Tom, uh, was that Jaguar players unburdened themselves to Rams players in Los Angeles after losing to them. And that's the way players talk. I totally believe that. That That is something that happens all the time. So that's what you heard, that Jaguar players unburden themselves to Rams players like you have no idea what's going on around here, pretty much. Well, and in fact, too, yes, I, I was told that, and that was in the story that you know Jaguars players were basically telling Rams players the same thing that I've heard you know throughout the course of the offseason, which is Urban Meyer does not treat them like you know adults. In many cases, guys who have kids, have families, uh, he's still – kind of approaching them like their 19-year-old uh, college kids. And, in fact, you know, I also got many calls uh, over the weekend from agents of Jaguars players who all said, number one, everything in that story is accurate as far as players know, and number two, it's just scratching the surface. And, in fact, I had uh, one prominent agent tell me that the same thing happened after the Tennessee game, which was a Jaguars player came up to one of his players on the Titans and was saying, get me out of here. Now, you know, that happens with losing, okay? Let's, yes. let's you know, kind of level set here. Anytime that you're 2-11, and 11, there's going to be some, you know, casting blame, and there's going to be some griping and complaining, and everybody just you know, wants the season to be over. One of the things that is unique in Jacksonville is Urban Meyer, when he speaks publicly, often is casting blame on whether it's the players or his assistant coaches, um, and that's not going over well. That's one of the things that you know, was upsetting for Marvin Jones has been upsetting for other players is they feel like they're getting blamed and aired out publicly when there's you know, quite clearly some institutional things that are not, uh, not in line with what people expect a, an NFL program to be. Tom Pelissaro here on the Rich Eisen Show. And the other, I guess, outlier or difference, because you're right. I mean, when teams are 2-11, and 11, players are always saying, get me out of here, this is terrible, U-Haul. You know, Dion taught me that phrase years and years and years ago that the U-Hauls backed up, that players are done. They essentially want to get out, and they're ready to back the U-Haul up and go home. And the Jaguars are playing U-Haul games right now. And the, pro- the difference is also is a coach with uh, an absolute sterling uh, winning record, right, coming in. And I say that just in terms of wins and losses. We know that there's always been 
uh, baggage of note regarding Urban Meyer uh, at his college stops. But, I mean, there's no question this guy is a winner. The guy puts W's on the board and hangs banners and beats alma maters like mine, you know, repeatedly. So he's not used to it. We're not used to talking about him this way. And then, of course, there's this sense of the Jaguars saying, how, how is he not that guy still? So what's the next steps here in that regard, Tom? What's happening there right now? Well, Jaguars owner Shad Khan uh, addressed the coaching staff yesterday, uh, told them to tighten up, no more leaks. Um, the fact that I'm telling you that happened would indicate that <laughs> those efforts may not be entirely successful. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, he yes. also spoke to uh, reporters, uh, I believe on his yacht last night, uh, celebrating his 10-year anniversary as the uh, Jaguars owner. Uh, and if Today. you read the quotes, yeah. some of which are, are on NFL.com right now, uh, it's certainly not a strong endorsement. It's very much they're going to evaluate things. They're not used to having drama uh, surrounding the Jaguars. In fact, Shad made a and Shad is somebody who I you know have a great deal of respect for. One of the great you know success stories and how he came up making his fortune in the the car bumper business. You know, truly self made and so impressive in in many ways. Um, you know, but he was he was joking about the fact that normally it's just well the lowly jaguars they're bad and everybody leaves us alone. Whereas this, in this case, people there's a, a heightened focus and there is drama, which is something that they're not accustomed to. Uh, one quote also that jumped out at me was he said this roster is much better than winning two games, which is a, a pretty clear indication that he believes they should not be two and eleven right now. And if the roster is not the problem, uh, that infers that coaching. Um, must be at least a part of the issue uh, that they have right now. So I I would entirely expect that there's going to be a thorough evaluation of everything going on. Um, You know, again, based on Shad's background and his history in the NFL, he is is inclined to give people time. Gus Bradley got into a fourth season, um, despite all the losing that they did with a young rebuilding team. Doug Marone was around for four full seasons, Um, obviously had the one run to the AFC championship game. And then, but you know, the overall record was not great. But they would, you know, exercise patience there. The question that that Shad Khan and the people advising him have to answer is, can it get better with Urban Meyer as the head coach? Because one of the challenges that they're going to have is they've already had significant staff turnover going back to the off season when uh, his handpicked strength and conditioning coach resigned after some racial comments from uh, his days at Iowa resurfaced. His special teams coordinator um, had to take a leave of absence, did not return. His chief of staff just left for the University of Texas. There's a report that his tight ends coach is taking another job. I am personally aware of multiple assistants who are actively looking for other jobs because under no circumstances do they want to return. Are you going to be able to get good coaches to come down there? Are there people who trust Urban Meyer enough to go in and fill those roles? You know, And there's also agents who say you know it's going to be hard they're not going to be able to get free agents uh money and no state income tax generally can fix yes. at least some of that right but in terms of program building just with the environment that, that's created there um they're they're going to have some challenges and they've got to figure out and shot's got to make a determination can urban meyer be the guy to fix it well and then there's the question about uh trevor lawrence right and if tom uh, we're having Tom Pelissero, NFL Network here on the Rich Eisen Show. If we're having a conversation about which, you know, insanely successful 
uh, person from a collegiate level can have that translate into the pros and who's more likely to have that right now, you'd have to say it's still Trevor Lawrence over the coach. And the question is, is what is Trevor Lawrence thinking? And what is the general sense of his development? And what is he getting out of the relationship with a coach, again, who brought an immense resume with him from the collegiate level? What's that conversation like right now, do you think, internally or at all, Tom? That is a fantastic question and another important one that Shad Khan is going to need to answer uh, in the weeks to come. What we know is that, again, Trevor Lawrence had to get involved in a situation where one of their best players was on the sideline and had to, in essence, put him back into the game himself. Uh, Also said publicly, you know, something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing here, but I'm the one on the field. I'm the one who sees where all the pieces are. He's one of our best players, and he needs to be in the game. That's not a common thing that you hear from a rookie quarterback, and I don't think that Trevor Lawrence meant anything negative by it, but he's clearly feeling like he needs to take uh, further ownership over what's going on uh, offensively. They had a terrible game uh, against Tennessee. They got shut out. Over the past seven games, they've scored 64 points, which is the fewest in seven games in Jaguars history. And that is not exactly a franchise history filled with juggernaut offenses. So they're bad right now. And mm-hmm. you have to you know, look into that. Is it you know, as simple as Urban Meyer you know, fires the whole offensive coaching staff? I mean, that is one potential option, I'm sure. But then who are you going to get? Who is going to want to come in uh, to a place where – you know, go all the way back to the preseason, and after the second preseason game, Urban Meyer, in a staff meeting, threatened everyone's jobs. He said he's sick of being embarrassed. After two preseason losses, he's sick of being embarrassed, and if they don't start winning immediately, a lot of these guys will not be back next year. That was, that was the first moment that, as much as there had been signs of it through the offseason, really shook some people at the time in terms of, is is he going to understand how this works in the NFL? And at the time, people made the point to me that, hey, he was brought in because he's you know hard charging. He's going to turn around the program. Yeah, he's hard on people, but we need that. It's been a, a losing organization for so long. It just seems to have taken on a different context as this season uh, has gone along here. And, again, when you're talking about changes or what can fix it, okay, it's one thing to say, well, we're going to get rid of these people. Can you bring in good people to replace them, knowing that, you know, if nothing else, it's very apparent that if Urban Meyer gets a second season, he is in no way guaranteed a third. So when does Shad Khan show up at the owners' meeting? Is that today when he'll be there? And I'm sure all the cameras likely, will be... Yeah, likely tomorrow. Okay. Um, today is the labor seminar, which is where they do the salary cap projection. And, you know, so it's a lot of the salary cap people here. I have not seen, I don't okay. believe, a single owner. Uh, it starts late morning tomorrow, so a lot of guys will take their private jets in in the morning <laughs> and uh, be here. So well, it, it'll be an interesting yeah, it'll be an interesting day uh, to say the least. Yeah, of course, Tom. Because I mean, if if he's if Chad's saying we're not used to this sort of scrutiny and you know and conversation being had surrounding our football team, uh, I, I proffer to say that even with this being, I guess, a home game for Jerry Jones. Uh, the owner that's going to have the most cameras trained on him is going to be is going to be Shad Khan. There's no question about that. 
come Wednesday. Jerry, Jerry will find the cameras. No, that's true, too. I'm not, I'm not too sure. concerned for him. And so then is Vegas getting a Super Bowl out of this uh, out of this meeting? Is that the, the, the major headline to be coming out of what this meeting would be? For the ownership? Yes, and, and that's been uh, assumed for some time. I believe it's after the 2023 season. Um, and it, they'll take a vote. My understanding is it's a ceremonial vote. Uh, Las Vegas, like like everywhere that builds a new stadium, you generally uh, get a Super Bowl within the next five years. There's been some um, movement because of different issues going on, including when the league extended the regular season. One Super Bowl that was supposed to be in New Orleans got pushed back into Mardi Gras which was kind of a non-starter for the yeah, NFL, right. which is what opened up this this particular Super Bowl uh, for the Raiders. So, yes, that's the the full expectation is it'll be a, uh, a Las Vegas Super Bowl, which should be quite the spectacle in a couple of years. And then the last thing that I saw you were reporting on with uh, our, our, our colleague and friend Mike Garofolo, um, that, that the league is mandating Tier 1 and Tier 2 employees to get a booster shot by two days after Christmas. Otherwise, they'll no longer be considered fully vaccinated by the NFL. What does that mean? What does that mean? Tier one and tier two staff is covering, um, you know, tier one staff includes coaches. It includes anybody who's working directly with players. Tier two, it's it, the access is slightly different, but again, it's people who can be around players. So in essence, players are not required to get a booster shot at this time. That's something that they would have to be uh, talking with the union with in terms of updating the COVID protocols. And that may happen, uh, you know, at some point, but players are not you know, required to get vaccinated, period, as of now. So you, I, I don't anticipate there's going to be any kind okay. of a mandate, uh, not during the 2021 season, uh, certainly. But, you know, the vast majority of coaches are uh, vaccinated at this point. Uh, so don't anticipate a ton of uh, ripple effects. I think it's like 99-point-something percent of all staff uh, is vaccinated. But it's a, it's a reflection of what happened within the league uh, yesterday. I mean, the fact that you had 36 players go on the uh, COVID list, which is double the largest number in two years of these protocols mm. that have ever gone on in a single day in the season, uh, it's a reflection of, of where you're at right now in terms of uh, the United States. You know, the NFL, based upon their data, and they do genomic sequencing and whatnot to figure out, you know, exactly how virus came in, what strains there are, is it being passed within the facility, is it not? And like five out of every uh, that they've seen over the season have been from community spread. So, you know, the other thing to anticipate, and not to take a completely dark turn here, Rich, but generally speaking, when you see spikes in um, the positivity rate for professional sports leagues, that usually means that the rest of the country is a couple weeks behind from a similar spike. The reason being because professional sports leagues are one of the only places where you regularly test mm -hmm. asymptomatic individuals. So if they're catching these cases, even among fully vaccinated uh, individuals, what that tells you is there's probably a lot of people walking around this country right now who have COVID and may be spreading it and don't know it because they're not getting regularly tested. And so this is all going to be, you know, I know there's going to be a presentation here at the league meetings about what that means. Uh, it's been full steam ahead. They have not rescheduled a single game uh, through the course of this season. There are protocols and procedures in place if that happens. Um, but, you know, at this point, the NFL fully intends to play the season on time and have the Super Bowl on time in Los Angeles in February. Tom, appreciate the time um, and uh, your your excellent reporting and uh, your two cents. Let's do this again sometime soon. You be safe. 
Anytime, Rich. Thanks. That's Tom Pelissero. I follow him on Twitter. You should as well, at Tom Pelissero here on The Rich Eisen Show. Okay, uh, lots to chew on right there. So let's take a break and we'll come back. I, I have the, he's like, he keeps saying like, what is the answer on this whole thing, right? Sorry about that. What is the answer on this whole thing, right? There's only one answer. I don't know if they're going to be able to get it though. Uh, I'll let you know what that is when we come back right here on the Rich Eisen Show. And then some injury news of note to report involving a quarterback in the NFL that's coming up. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed this is the Rich Eisen Show. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show. So we just heard from uh, we just heard from my colleague Tom Pelissero about you know uh, over and over again. He said that uh, Shad Khan's going to have to sit and determine if you could stick stick with Urban Meyer and the cost of doing business with Urban would be very expensive, or no longer doing business with Urban would be very expensive. The you know, and then you got to measure how expensive it would be to hire new assistants and blow out the ones that they think that uh, we're talking to Tom. Um, or, and, uh, or anyone else. It's not just Tom. I'm telling you, everybody talks. Everybody talks in the NFL. Everybody's already talking about what Shad Khan said to the, to the, to the team or to the coaching staff. The minute it, the minute it happens, somebody calls an agent who calls somebody up who calls another person who says something. <laughs> Honestly, it's all over the place. And the fact that you don't hear stuff from any other places means that there's a respect level for the organization and the coach that they wouldn't think or dream of doing it because they feel that they are respected or that what is going on there is respectable enough to stick with it. A la the Patriots. Well, I mean, there's a la, you could name many other yeah. organizations in the NFL, quite frankly. 
So what fixes that, right? Certainly, as you said, that if they do decide Urban has that CEO mentality that can fix it, knows how to fix it, do you stick with him? And the thing that can change it, that I don't know if it's going to happen, one would think is winning. That's it. Winning. That's what will fix it. Winning will fix it. The question is, how do they win currently constituted? Very difficult. Although they did it against the Buffalo Bills. I mean, honestly, all of this stuff that was going on, all of this stuff that was going on there, it was it had already happened when they beat the Bills. Right? True. It had already happened, you know, when they went to London and won a football game. Right? That was that was just a couple weeks after the bye week in question. And that's the whole thing, too. You might be sitting here saying it's not fair to keep bringing up what happened in the preseason and what happened in the uh, the talent evaluation season with, you know, the strength and conditioning coach who should never been hired in the first place and, and bringing in Tebow and then cutting him and how that actually, you know, uh, it's the past. The problem is that, that that all layer on top of layer on top of layer lends to when you start losing – their chatter, jibber-jabbering, and also leads to Urban Meyer acting in a certain way that grates on staff members and players because that's just not the way it works in the NFL. You're going to lose games. You know, Aaron Rodgers and the, the Packers have been incredibly successful, right? Mm-hmm. They went 13-3 and three last two years. They could have three losses again, but there are losses in the NFL. There's three of them. Brady last year was seven and five before going on that run. Lost five games. You're going to lose games. You can't in the preseason say, I'm embarrassed. And if we don't turn it around, I mean, it's not college in that respect, right? So winning will change it. But Urban Meyer's got to look in the mirror and say, the way I react to losses here in the NFL, that needs to change too. And if you're saying that, Jaguar can't change its spots. Tom Coughlin changed the way that he was reacting to adversity and talking to players and holding them accountable in a certain way that that players were chafing big time. And then they made some sort of leadership council that met with Tom to basically tell him, back off in certain respects. And Coughlin learned how to do it. That was the the storyline about the two-time champion New York Giants is that Coughlin learned how to do it a different way or react in a different way where the professionals in his locker room would react to him in a different way. And then when winning started, it led to ultimate success. Maybe that's a blueprint here is that the Jaguars can start winning. They've got an incredibly talented quarterback to do it. They do have talented players there to do it. And, and and Urban's just got to, based on all of this reporting, take a chill pill. <laughs> you know, you've got a long-term contract. You can't react in the way that you're reacting to people. It grates on their nerves. It does not lend itself to a winning and healthy environment. It leads to the, the talking, the chatter, chatter, chatter. You have no idea what's going on here. This guy thinks he walks on water. He does not. You need to remove all that. How many times did Tom Palacero say agents are saying this and that's saying that? The blood is in the water, certainly for him. 
when he comes in with all of those wins and say, I'm going to be able to do it in the NFL. You know, and he talks about effort, giving effort and things like that. You know, I mean, these guys are all in the NFL for a reason. They've made the effort. They've given the effort. They've gotten to this part. You can't talk to them like they're some sort of college kid that you're saying, right? Like he says he wants a plus two mentality. What that means is if, I, if I'm asking you to give me a 10, you got to give me a 12. It's, it's kind of like Spinal Tap. Everybody goes to 11 here in the NFL. Everybody does. Those who don't, they're, they're, they're going to get cut. They're going to get out. They're going to be done. They're going to be finished. Not for long. And if you don't realize that, that everybody's giving as much effort as you, you could just cut cut a few players, cut somebody, make an example of somebody that you feel doesn't do that. But, you know, other other guys are, are in fact, matching your intensity. It may be your intensity that they're not responding to. So I guess that's my unsolicited two cents having been around these parts is that it's the mutual collective respect that wins football games in the NFL where you just assume these guys are coming in and I know a lot of a lot of people sometimes may coast or what have you and you need to coach hard but coaching hard doesn't mean being you know someone who asks somebody to say how are you a winner When the winning will change everything, how do you get to that part? And it's Shad Khan and his son Tony who are very successful in every endeavor need to figure out, is it worth it? And if it is, how do you make sure that he can change his intensity and mentality that clearly is not meshing with paid professionals in the NFL? Devontae Adams coming up. We check on the MVP race, and that conversation is brought to you by the number 12. <laughs> to use a Sesame Street phraseology. Devontae Adams, hour number two, and you. 